Welcome to another episode of Unguarded, presented by Weevolve, and we're back with episode five, featuring Takara Renee. What's up, Yan? What's up, Jory? You and Takara are pretty close, right? Yeah, we got close real quick. She 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 reached out via um, IG on the Weevolve Society plat- platform and. She was interested to know what we were doing and, uh, you know, the podcast caught her attention like everything else, truthfully, that we've been doing and working on. And she was just like, how can I provide value? How can I be a part? It just took off from there. I took her up on our offer and we've been kind of connecting and truthfully her and Abiola have both been, you know, kind of indirect mentors. They're, they're a little older than me. So, you know, they see things a little differently. So they've been kind of you know, in the work world a little bit uh, longer. So it's definitely been refreshing. The one thing that I noticed about Takara is that she's very passionate about her advocacy work. Mm-hmm. Um, in not just for athletes, but for all these different communities that she represents in. And it's kind of what we talk about, not necessarily her advocacy work, but just about her, I don't know what, uh, like her identifying herself or her kind of stepping into all these different identities and what they mean. And I know that in the past, I mean, you've had an Instagram post where you're just like, look, I'm not this, I'm not that. And so it was kind of cool to hear you guys talk about, I guess, both sides. Yeah. I mean, definitely when it comes to sexuality, it was never something that it was this journey or like Takara went through, you know, really digging deep and really figuring out and learning all the types of uh, identifiers, as she says, that are out there. I never, I never like identify with that world. To, um, to be completely honest, I was always just like I'm Jory, and um, yeah, I'll support anyone that's trying to share their voice or they feel they've been being mistreated. But definitely, it was still a good learning, you know, session for me because there's a lot I just didn't know like existed. I didn't know people felt this way, and that's why they identified in that particular manner. So. So the thing that I never thought about that she that Takara talks about is just also about like how empowering it can be mm-hmm. at the same time. Because I think on as as someone who's not a member of a lot of these communities, I'm just like, what's the big deal? You know, and it's like, oh, just being able to identify yourself as something. And it's funny because then there's moments when I think we're more accustomed to like race. So like when Tiger Woods comes out and he's like, I'm Kavlin Asian. Everyone's like, Oh, like, what are you talking about? You know what I'm saying? We want to be like, yeah, like be whoever you right. want and identify yourself. And then you're like, dude, what is, you can't just be. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, I think, yeah, she, she really took the time to learn herself. And I think because I'm like, what is going on in America? <laughs> like, right, you know, right. and it's like, yo, Oh, this is the new thing. That's, doing this and it's like you know over here the pace is so much slower and i don't know if that community is as big and progressive as it is in america so um a lot of things you know just aren't familiar with but yeah it's definitely something that you know you want to be pay attention to because you don't want to be i don't want to be out here sounding ignorant and uh you know offend anyone but at the You're same about time to get canceled like, George. right right <laughs> at the same time it's like okay is this something that's like gonna stick is this real is this like a real cause and behind it yeah takara definitely passionate about that community and pulling up for for that community so it was it was a good conversation yeah and i think she's patient you know i think she's understanding of it i think she's like willing to talk through it and i think you know sometimes it's hard because people make assumptions and 
because they don't know, you know, like, and then you feel stupid because you didn't know. And it's just like, dude, like, I just didn't, you know, sorry. You know, right. Like, well, you should know that already. And it's like, well, I'm trying, you know, so. Yeah. But um, before we get too long, so this past season, she's been um, recuperating from an injury. And I know that you two have been working on something special. Yeah, yeah. We're working on a, a book, um, a collective of uh, stories from the overseas community. And, uh, you know, just going along with the with the mission of Weevolve and also her passion around community and everyone kind of building our own ecosystem. So we've just been doing something similar to like a, a chicken noodle soup book, something that players could open up and reference to, but still it's enjoyable. You know, it's, it's stories that they can kind of, you know, look at and, you know, feel like, yo, I'm not alone. Like, let me go to the relationship section. <laughs> So, yeah, we've been working on that and she's been a big help. You know, that's what she's worked. She works in publishing and everything. So that's something she's also passionate about helping athletes tell their stories and, um, you know, really help them do it in a professional manner compared to in the past, you know, how we've tried to, to, to really release our content. So, yeah, she's been she's been great and kind of leading in in that regard for the book. So keep, right. keep an eye out. Here we are. Episode five with Takar Renee on sexuality. Hope y'all enjoy it. Subscribe, listen, share, rate, donate. Yeah. And every donate. little thing. Yeah. Shout out to Val, <laughs> one of the Weevolvers donated to us. So yeah, yeah, show us some love. We appreciate it all. Welcome to another episode of Unguarded, presented by Weevolve. I'm here with Takar Renee. A uh, wonderful woman. Um, so glad I connected with her. I think about a year ago, reached out uh, in the Weevolve DMs and was just like, I love what you're doing. How can I help? And I was like, that was just, that felt great. Just that felt good. That was the way to help, you know? So um, really happy that we've connected and have continued to connect. And I'm glad you decided to get on the podcast. It's been a long time coming though. So Thanks for, for showing up and getting unguarded. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to, to join your tribe and your community and um, share some insight on my journey. And yeah, I'm here to, to be of support. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot that you could share with us and give us some insight on. But um, before we d- jump into the topic of today, uh, tell everyone, you know, what's what's giving you peace these days, um, despite everything going on around the world, globally, uh, COVID. Um, connecting with my friends and family, um, like most of us female athletes, um, we play year round and it's, it's really hard to always connect physically with our family. Um, and while COVID has some restrictions on that as well, it's been really dope to be intentional about how we connect and um, being stateside um, is really, really allowing that to happen um, seamlessly for me. So just being home, being in my house, um, those little things that we take for granted um, when we're on the road traveling. So, yep, that's it for me. I'm happy. Yeah, that is. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I'll say the, the Greek sunset's been giving me some peace and joy these days and definitely connecting always. My extrovert side, always loving to connect with people. So today's topic, we're talking about sexuality and self-worth, your journey with those two things. And before we had an intro call, you started to to talk more about sexuality, the different 
ways people from the community identify themselves. And I'm not really educated on that. And I know a lot of people aren't. So before we, you know, jump into more of your journey and and dig a little deeper, uh, just wanted to allow you to share a little bit of knowledge on um, sexuality and just the community that you represent in the different terms or different ways people identify themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, First and foremost, I am not the gatekeeper of these terms um, or the binary. I know what works for me. I am comfortable. Um, Up until now, I am, I am so, I'm standing in my power for what feels good for me around certain identifiers. There's so much to digest and understand when it comes to sexuality and the binary or lack thereof. And um, I can personally only really focus on my experience, my journey, um, as it's allowed me to just, you know, just love fully and to really show up as my whole self. And in, in that same right, I'm able to love fully and intentionally. So again, I'm not the gatekeeper of these terms, but <laughs> just know that um, they exist and we exist. And, you know, we can't really talk about sexuality without talking about gender identity and, and your own personal understanding of gender and, and how you want to be seen in the world. Um, I identify as queer if I have to identify as something. Everybody's like, oh, some people are like, oh, I don't want to identify with anything. I'm just me. Identifiers are there for a reason. Um, they're markers, they're place, they're, they're, they're place setters. And while we don't want to put ourselves in a box, um, sometimes identifiers um, open up um, allow us to access certain resources. So um, I identify as queer if I have to. I recognize my journey is fluid. And um, for the for the most part of my life, I have been, uh, um, I've identified as cisgender, which is, you know, I was assigned a female at birth and um, I identify as a woman. I love my life as a, I live my life as a woman and I enjoy being a woman. Again, we can't talk about sexuality without talking about gender identity. And for, you know, many cisgender people, gender identity is, is is respected wholly and fully like if you see a man walking down the street and they look like what you've been told the man is that is respected and for a lot of people who don't necessarily fit in the binary and that normative gender uh, cisgender ideal they aren't acknowledged for their autonomy and um there's so many different ways that they aren't respected and addressed appropriately and at the end of the day we need to be a bit more well-versed on the, uh, the reality that not everyone's going to fit in that spectrum of identity of what the world has told us to be again, social construct um, the identity is the, the, the binary is so much bigger than what we have been told. And, you know, at the end of the day, we need to treat everybody with respect. If they say they want to be one thing and they want to be treated as one thing, we just need to mm-hmm. honor that regardless if it aligns with what we've been taught and how we see the world. No, it's definitely, you know, for me, I've never really looked into those things. You know, it was just kind of like, again, I, I fall into that box of don't tell me nothing. I'm Jory. That's the only tag I have. We go from there, you know, like come and experience Jory and then you can say what you think is what you think. But I, I, I understand like maybe being more educated on that and, and understanding, you know, that I might be a part of a world that um, I should be more educated on. So I definitely I definitely think it's it's something many people don't don't pay attention to, um, even if they might fall into one of the the identifiers of that group. We talked a little bit about before this call that you always felt you were different in the very beginning, early stages of your life. Um, but it was during a moment when your mom was sick 
And um, when she passed away, you said you felt that was like a time period of growth for you when it came about your sexuality. How did you feel in that period? And why did you decide to start growing more, coming out more around your sexuality after that experience? Those of us who have lost a parent, specifically their mother, someone who you know, you, you're, you've heard your mother's heartbeat. You've been in her belly. There's this bond that you have with your mother. And losing your mother will break you at any age, at any, any, any part of your life. And what that experience did to me, it's not only split me open, but it, I'm not quite sure if my mother hadn't passed when she passed. I, she passed when I was 24. I'm not quite sure if, and that was, I think in your, your mid twenties is a very pivotal point as well. You just graduated from college. You've been equipped with all of these tools. And then you got to, you're thrusted into the world of like, Hey, you got to like figure it out on your own. Now you no longer have mm-hmm. athletics. You no longer have that community to get you together. So not only did my mother pass when I was in that personal transition, she passed at a time where I was still learning who I was um, sexually and who mm-hmm. and how I wanted to show up in a world. And what her death did was woke me up. It lit me on fire in the sense of like, I, time, time is, time is, <laughs> at time, time is man-made. And like, I don't, I don't think I have enough of it. I don't think I had all these different things go through my head of like, it went so quickly. Like I didn't realize. So that was just kind of like, oh, I got to get it together. There's nothing else that I need to hold back. There's, I just need to show up in the world more holy because if my mother can be taken away, I can be taken away. And I don't want to, I don't want to leave this world without showing up at my, showing up as my higher self. So her death really like shook me up in a way that I needed to be shaken up. Mm -hmm. And, and following that, it was just like, okay, we got, we got it. You really got to do some work and some stretching because one of the things I didn't get to do was while my mother might've known, maybe my sexuality was different. She, we, we never talked about it. Cause you know, black folks, we don't be talking about that. So right. <laughs> <laughs> we don't talk about it. It's just kind of like, if you know, you know, and we're not going to have any issues with it. Like it's just, we, but I think as a, as a black girl, I needed to tell my mother that, and I didn't get to tell my mother that. So it really like made me like shift a bit and say, Hey, I need to tell myself that first of all. And I really need to step into that and what that looks like. I don't need to make that. I never had a big coming out situation, but I needed to come out to myself. And I think that was important. Yeah, definitely coming out to self first is probably like coming to terms with uh, not flirting with the the idea of like, oh, I just I'm just kind of like dabbling here, you know, being more truthful with yourself. Um, and I, I know for myself, that's kind of been something that you had to like say, yes, this is this is what I am. And, and really just accept it. Yeah, except and not that care about and, what nobody else thinks. Yeah, and I mean, you know, again, the black families, it's like it's terrifying. You know, in black communities, like that is like the worst of the worst. Like somebody could yeah. you have somebody in jail, grandma and them still love them, but like to say, oh, I might be gay, queer, whatever it might be. Yeah, yo, that's like it's like a heart oh. in the chest. Like, I don't know what that yeah, is yeah. about. Throw them community. in the tub of holy water because. <laughs> yeah, it's it's such a strange dynamic and all black queer people, not all, but like most of us can, can really, that resonates with us because mm-hmm. it's just family is everything to us. And though those little negative 
qualifiers. We've always been taught we got to be better in every Mm -hmm. aspect of what we do. And that is not allowing us to be better. That's what we've been told. That's another thing that was going to hold us back. So it's strange because a part of me was like, I I cared about what people thought, but I didn't realize how much that mattered to me. Because of course I was still 24. My my mother, I never was able to say the words to anyone in my family. But at the Mm. end of the day, I still knew they would love me. I just couldn't verbalize it that these were the mm-hmm. things that were affecting me and that I needed this type of support. Because again, we don't talk about those things. The hard stuff in families and Black families, we don't talk about. Um, I know it's a it's a journey and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but what did you <laughs> ultimately figure out what you identify with? Like, what, what is your sexual identity? That took a while. That took a while of just educating myself around the experience. I didn't have a lot of in-person, queer gay, lesbian, Black women that I could seek support from. So I dove into literature. I dove into, you know, the Audre Lords of the world and just kind of wrapped myself and hugged myself in the art form of words in that safety net. Through my research and through my reading, I was like, oh, we do exist. We do exist. And there's just this beautiful world of love and compassion that is at the forefront of the struggle around the LGBTQ experience. And that was really important for me when it came to discovering my self-worth and understanding who I was as a person, as a person before who I was, as a as a queer person, as a gay person. Like I needed to understand who I was first before I could latch on to all these other identifiers. Cause when you're born, when you're growing up, you know, you know a couple things. I was, mm-hmm. you know, a girl, a woman, and I was black. Mm-hmm. I had to really discover all the other the other pieces of my identity and my sexuality was a big part of that. And it developed later because I had to experience my sexuality. I had to make mistakes. I had to love in those spaces in order to understand what it meant alongside how to identify a certain, a certain way and whether or not that mattered. For myself, like I didn't, I wasn't comfortable fully with Jory until I knew who I was and Mm -hmm. I identified myself you know for myself and like that's one of the biggest things I think with self-worth is like it's more so that personal that personal journey but also obviously you do need that community you do need as you said those identifiers that you can say oh I I'm with this crew or you know I I think I identify right. with this particular and whether you tell the world uh, what those identifiers doesn't matter you need to identify who you are for yourself mm-hmm. it's part of how you how you find your power, how you're able to stand in your power. You can't articulate to anyone anything about you if you don't know. It's as simple as that. So, and there's a lot of work that's involved in doing that. And I just, I, I've spent the, oh my God, I'm 34. I've spent, you know, my whole life just pulling back layers. It's it's the process. You know, growth isn't linear. It's it's mm-hmm. It's the ebb and flow. It's the taking steps back. It's the healing. It's the it's the relanguaging. It's all a part of it. And, and as, as LGBT, as, as in the spectrum, us who are, you know, in that umbrella of identifiers, um, that work is treacherous for us. That work is hard for us. But there's also a lot of joy in the naming. There's a lot of truth. There's a lot of love in finally figuring it out for you because then you can spread that to other people. Had those poets and those amazing Black queer women had not, wrote those stories and 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 shared those stories i wouldn't be able to at a place where i could 
best identify myself. I needed those examples. So like me standing in my truth, being able to authentically um, and truthfully say who I am, because this is the first time I've ever done this. We're on a podcast, y'all. And I'm not big at waving (laughs) a flag and saying, look, y'all, I'm gay. But it's like, I need to be, I recognize the responsibility behind showing up as my true self because there are other people watching. There are other people who Mm -hmm. don't have the same courage. So I'm okay with doing that. And, and, right. and showing up in that space. You you talked about pulling back those layers. Like you had to pull back a lot of layers. You did a lot of work. What like, yeah. you know, like again, we see Takar Renee Ross now pulling back those layers. Like what is that, how, what is that journey like? Were there things that you were doing that maybe wasn't right? And what things were you doing to uh, be intentional about pulling back those layers to discover like really the truth, your truth? I'm relanguaging the fact that like I made mistakes in life. Everything I did um, in life got me to where I am. So I don't really want to look at them as mistakes. I want to look at them as lessons and I want to look at them as, you know, the stretching. It wasn't always comfortable. It didn't always feel good, but it was absolutely necessary. A big catalyst was just opening up about the truth of, of, of my experience as a woman and um, the different experience that challenge the ideas of who I was as a woman. I've spoken before about um, I was I was sexually assaulted when I was a, when I was a kid, and I kind of put that in the back of my mind and wasn't able to really confront it until my mid to late twenties because it was affecting me. It was affecting how I saw my sexual identity. I didn't realize that and how I languaged that struggle overall how it affected how it affected me so it was just certain experience I really had to tell the truth about to myself in order to like say hey this is where I need to go so I need to be mindful of what experience affected that path yeah because sometimes we we don't tell ourselves the truth it's a lot of times we don't tell ourselves the truth because we're we're worried about the things that are going to show up we are Mm -hmm. worried about forget everybody else we we don't we we don't want to have to go through the hard shit like, I'm tired of healing. I'm yeah. 34 years old and I am exhausted. Like, I feel like I'm always stretching. I'm always healing. Like, can I get a break? But it's kind of what you have to do because mm-hmm. if you don't clear the dust, it's going to make peeling back those layers so much harder. So mm-hmm. the the maintenance, you know, you don't always have to be full cleaning your house, stretching all the time. But the maintenance, that's, that's where the work's done. The, you know, the, the weekly check-ins with yourself, the, you know, the, the monthly yearlies, like the, the mental health check-ins of the physical health check-ins, the the eating good, you sleep a good check-in. So it's all part of just coming home to yourself. And that was a big part of the stretching when it came to my sexuality. You said you needed to kind of truly deal with the fact that, you know, you were molested when you were younger. Um, I know for me, um, I didn't, I wasn't necessarily molested. You know, I think some people, when they grow up, the idea of men, maybe they didn't have positive experiences with men in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could maybe push you into a, a community of people that that one thing is kind of pushing you there and you're identifying at that as that, but that's not necessarily like the full truth. When you, when you actually did the work, you pulled back the layers what was it that you found for yourself? Well, that very question I had to ask myself because of that situation of sexual assault, was that the reason why I 
gravitated more toward women was that the reason why I was gay like gay was that it I thought that was it for a while I was like Mm -hmm. oh this experience happened this is why but then once you dissect that experience and you you move out of victim victim move out of that victim space it had nothing to do with you it was Mm -hmm. not your fault it was not a catalyst to do xyz that was part of the work that was part of the work. And I had pushed it in the back of my head for so long that I never had confronted that experience to even evaluate whether or not that was. But once I did and I cleared that space and I forgave, I was able to push it back even before that experience. And I was like, oh, honey, you were gay way before that. <laughs> like you were just, you were just this beautiful, luminous soul who just loved love and wanted to be love. And mm-hmm. however that showed up and the, the, the labels that we have now that can express that, that's right. just what it is. But um, certain experiences can make you feel as if you would push or pull a certain way. And I'm happy to say that that wasn't the case for me. I'm truthfully and authentically happy to know that even though I did experience that type of trauma, that my journey within my sexuality and where I am today was simply because God wanted me to be this way. And simply because my ancestor was like, girl, you're going to be this and then you're going to be great. And you're going to live in this like beautiful space of wonderfulness. Right. That's just who I am. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. And I'm glad to finally understand and know that no negative situation pushed me here. I was meant to be this person and I will always be this person. And yeah, I'm grateful to be here because of that. Who, like what, who do you date? You know, how does it go? I know you brought up the term fluid. And of yeah. course, I was like, I don't know what, <laughs> what that is. So like, explain to me fluid. And of course, I know you date women. But yeah. there is a piece where you were just like, look, if I happen to fall in love with this, 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 that's who I fall right. in love with. What is that identity? Because I think there are a lot of people that struggle with that or they feel as though they have to choose also again like choose like oh no I'm only with women or I'm only with this this that what is what is that identity or identifier for people that might be feeling like look I just want to find a connection or I'm open-minded um I think someone from the community asked like if I'm open-minded and I'm I'm open and I want to connect with someone on a mental level like I don't care if they are this this and that Um, then they need to just do just that and we get so much pressure in the world to you have to choose you have to choose Mm -hmm. one or the other first of all that's very a very western mentality of like you gotta figure you gotta choose one you can't be doing two three things at once but in reality there's so many cultures and, and, and and experiences that that appreciate and and observe so many other different sexualities and cultures I mean sexualities and genders that it just doesn't mm-hmm. make sense that I identify as queer it, it what it's what has resonated to with me over the course of the you know maybe the last I don't know maybe seven seven to ten years and I use that identifier if someone really needs to know like who I am <laughs> but like I use it because <laughs> it it represents the freedom I have to love I talk about fluidity because I want to pay respect to the journey that brought me here. The fact that I have had a journey of where I've, I've stretched and I've done the work. And while I've dated men and I've been open to dating whoever, I need, I, I need to honor that aspect of my experience and who I am. Um, queer, you know, under the LGBTQ spectrum of um, 
you know, that umbrella of, of doing what feels good for me. That's what, that's how I identify my, my queerness, the freedom to, to love in my fullest capacity, whomever the hell I want to love. And no one will ever be able to, to take that away from me, that freedom, because I've defined it for myself. Fluid in the sense of, um, yeah, basically the same thing. Like I can ebb and flow through those different experiences and not feel sorry for myself and not feel powerless. There's so much freedom. And, and we think about water and how free water is and how it can move and ebb and flow into these different spaces. I don't know. I know how I want my love to show up as, um, and I have to be open to how I have to be open to what that's going to look like when it pours into me. Fluid, fluid, that fluidness allows me to do that. And however love wants to show up for me, I have to be open and ready and available to accept that. So it's, it's, so it's definitely one of the questions was around, um, do you think the se- your sexuality changes throughout your journey? Like, it's Absolutely. not something that's like, oh, I'm born and this is it. It's like, it can change throughout the journey. Your experiences will, will eventually, like it evolves should change and it will change again we have free will we have human nature to reject or not reject you know science says we're all inherently bisexual in a sense so we are one of the species who gets to choose how we want to navigate through that that bisexuality or that fluidness i'll I'll, Mm -hmm. you know i'll better say and with you know societal norms people people go left or right but then other times you know because you know the binary people can stay in the middle and dip their toe it just doesn't matter you know what I'm saying? Right. So it's, it's, again, it goes back to that freedom. You should be allowed to stretch within your sexuality and put yourself in experience where you test the binary, test your sexuality, not because it's promiscuous or it's, it's taboo, but because your heart wants you to, because you want to know and learn more about yourself. At the end of the day, it's about learning self, not about what everybody else wants you to be doing or what you should or shouldn't be doing. And if, if dipping your toe into the different parts of what sexuality is resonates with you, then you should do it. And you should do it for you, not because society says you shouldn't. At the end of the day, we want to be, we want to be love. We want to give love, be love. The only way you're going to be able to do that is to, to share parts of yourself. And that doesn't mean just physically. That means emotionally, that means mentally and allowing yourself to be open to what that does to you sexually. And to be open to that, you're going to have to do a lot of work on yourself, you know, like, yes, so it always goes, everything goes back to yourself. Um, And of course, that self-worth, which ties into sexuality, I think it goes hand in hand, I I feel like, um, Mm -hmm. because you can't even explore truth, the truth until like you are whole and you have figured a lot of things out for your, for yourself. How have things been with you? and your sexuality like how has life and dating been as a queer black woman dating can be hard only in the sense of um because of what i do as an athlete mm-hmm. and i'm really never really home and you and you gravitate what's toward what's comfortable and for me i i, I even if probably I wasn't queer, like they're black women in general, we, we deserve a level of love and respect that I, that I will always, you know, put on a pedestal and to openly candidly talk about it is, is a little scary, but at the same time, it's also like, I love us. I love us Mm -hmm. in a way that, in a way that doesn't, that doesn't frighten me. So that just kind of trumps things. And 
I've been super grateful for the different um, experience of love that has come in my life. And the current love that I have in my life is just, um, it's pouring into me in a way that I'm grateful for because it means all the stretching and all the work that I did prior to that has got me to a place where I can love openly, love freely. That's what we all want. We want all mm-hmm. the work that we've done to, to mean something at the end. Doesn't I mean there hasn't been hardship, you know, through it because we all go through things, but part of the work is getting to a place where you can stand in your power and say, I am X and I deserve this and mm-hmm. I'm going to share it with you. And I've gotten to a place where I can do that freely, whether it works or not, whatever. I'm going to continue to show up for myself first before I show up in the coupling. And that's what's most important to me. Part of what I, well, how I exist simply by breathing as a black queer person, as a queer person of color, um, as a, as a black um, person within the spectrum, breathing is existing. Breathing is advocating because there are so many people um, who don't want us to exist on so mm-hmm. many levels. Um, not only am I black, I'm a woman. Not only am I a woman, I'm queer. So every day I step foot out into the world, someone hates me. Someone mm-hmm. doesn't want to see me exist. Right. So part of my responsibility is to is to breathe and to exist and to show up in this world as wholly as possible. It makes me tear it makes me teary eyed because mm-hmm. it's it's every day. It's it's just it's hard. And mm-hmm. so part of why I exist is to advocate for other people to do the same. I'm in a unique position. I work in publishing. I'm in a unique position to to really advocate for for the LGBT community, the black community, women and girls alike to share their stories. And so what I'm currently working on is a, is a space for us to be able to, to tell those stories authentically and to tell those stories with our own voice, because that's the way that I have been pushed to serve and advocate for those communities that have really shown up for me. So that's how I get to show up for us. I get to make sure that there is a place for us to share our stories, to write our stories, to or, you know, orally share our stories with the world. And then I refuse to be silent anymore. And so part of part of my responsibility is to is to show up to the best of my ability in pride in all of those and self-worth in all of those categories, because someone else needs that support someone else needs the confidence to do that and i'm not taking that on fully and wholly there's so many amazing people who are standing in their truth Mm -hmm. right now and i just i'm happy to be a part of that journey i just i just love how you just pull up for the the communities you believe in um and definitely been preparing myself to try to figure out like how to be bold enough to just just jump in like also is that you're kind of nervous and well not nervous but it's kind of like what do I, you know, what can I give? You know, even like- I think nervous um, is a great word. I've been nervous. Yeah. Like, does, does the community, does the experience of having that safety net and, and people who identify with you more important? And that's mm-hmm. always been more important to me than being scared. So I've just kind of been like, all right, girl, get it together. Right. You need right. to immerse yourself with these people because they mean a lot to you. Before we Before we close it out, is there anything else you would just like to, to share with, the, the more so athlete community when it comes to sexuality, sexuality and self-worth. Man, as athletes, we're just in this unique position to, to use our platforms in a way to advocate and, and truly and truly show a more authentic side to the world. And I just want to 
continue to tell athletes to use that platform to the best of their ability. It is our responsibility to show up authentically. It is our responsibility to show the next generation of athletes what power feels like, what authenticity feels like, what standing, you know, standing in our power is is, is just a unique, unique ability. And we get to do that on a grand stage every day when we're playing mm-hmm. our respective sport. And we also have a unique ability to do that to the masses in so many other ways. So leverage your platform athletes and stand in your truth when it comes to who you are as, as, as a, as a human first, as a human first and, and own your sexuality, own your sexuality in the way that doesn't mean you need to use your platform, tell the whole world or come out, but you do need to use your platform to, to live your truth, to mm-hmm. live your truth in a way that is honest to your brand, that is honest to your legacy. And that that means, um, that can mean whatever, to you guys but it it that it's your responsibility athletes and we need to do more of that and i encourage you to live in your truth when it comes to your sexuality well i'll give you the the snaps i don't know if they can hear my snaps <laughs> on, the, on the podcast um but no i definitely appreciate you you know coming on <laughs> we had some technical difficulties in the beginning we worked it we out figured it out trying to, trying to get us hey hey didn't want us to be great um but we 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 made it and we did it and I'm so happy that you were on the podcast. I'm sure you're probably gonna be on another season or something. We else we gonna do a we've all for sure. But um, as always, it's a pleasure. Um, definitely, you you know you're one of the the individuals that definitely came to my life and I I definitely look look at how you move, the things you say. You know, you're my you're you you influence me in all the all the good ways. So. Thank you you for having uh, me. (laughs) Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you.